0: In our uh, last part of the uh, afternoon we want to uh, do some integrative work to bring some things together and to um, have us each, uh, personally with uh, support of different uh, people in our uh, group, in our community, to have a sense of what comes next, have a sense of uh, next steps, uh, intentions coming out of our three days. And so we're going to engage in a few different uh, ways to move in that direction. Uh, Some of it will be just a few things said, some of it will be in small groups, and um, some things together, some things individually. So first I wanted to just name uh, one of the resources from Buddhist tradition that we haven't named much or uh, maybe at all in our days. And that is the figure of the Bodhisattva. Uh, Many people feel inspired to look for what we might call a contemporary version of the Bodhisattva. Bodhisattva is a word composed really of two roots, bodhi which is the same, has, shares the root, meaning awake. Same root that we find in the word Buddha. And bodhi generally means awakened mind and heart. And then sattva means being. So this is a being dedicated to awakening. And it, the way it's evolved over the last uh, 2,500 years is that this is a being who's dedicated to both awakening and helping others to awaken in all sorts of ways, using many, many, many uh, means. And it's a figure which, uh, as many of you know, is at the center of the Mahayana and Tibetan forms of Buddhist practice. And also is there in the Theravada school that uh, Spirit Rock is connected with. We find the Bodhisattvas not taught so much, Uh, But it is there in the tradition. And again, this is a a figure that for many people is very inspiring. Many people are asking, what is the contemporary version of the bodhisattva? A being with a deep uh, quest for this inner purification, but also a deep quest to help others to find where one's own gifts and callings take one in terms of our larger world. And so, uh, just say a little bit about the Bodhisattva and point to, in some ways, to what a contemporary Bodhisattva might look like. In particular, what kind of training does the Bodhisattva need? (laughs) You know, what are, this is partly, what are our next steps? And um, I originally, I I, um, was the main developer of a program along with uh, Sarah Schedler, uh, which we eventually called the Path of Engagement. And I originally we wanted to call it the Bodhisattva School, and um, if you think about it, the initials are BS. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my father would always say, "How's the BS going?" <laughs> right. And so, and eventually, the other Spirit Rock teachers <laughs> made us rename it. They, they didn't want not not because of the BS initials, but They thought that people in Zen might be offended if we had something with the Bodhisattva names. Anyway, maybe it wouldn't happen the same way now. That was like 10 years ago. Anyway, um, here's the Bodhisattva's vow from the Zen tradition. Living beings are infinite. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to cut through them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. The Buddha way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it. And then uh, there's a a text, uh, some of you may know, called Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, written in the 8th century, the Dalai Lama's favorite book. He has it on his nightstand. (laughs) And uh, it's available in the uh, bookstore. Different different translations, this is from Shantideva from the 8th century. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road, may those who wish to go across the water, be I a boat, a raft, or bridge. May I be an aisle for those who yearn for landfall, a lamp for those who long for light, for those who need a resting place, a bed, for all those, uh, let's see, for all those who need help, may I be the helper. And it goes on like that. And so there's this sort of deep calling to, I like to interpret it as both doing deep inner work and deep outer work. Which I think is really, in many ways, the calling of our times You know, with the kind of systemic issues that we have particularly, that we need. And, and I think of the need to bring these together because in a way, the uh, the needs of our times demand uh, demand people who are active, who have the inner capabilities and maybe the inner practices we've explored, that are both capable of withstanding the long haul, you know, the long period, the having that five hundred year plan, the long vision, and also uh, capable of having, I would say, the beloved community as the long-term intention. And so uh, traditionally, the bodhisattva trained in ten qualities, you know, t- you know trained in qualities like generosity and ethical uh, impeccability, integrity. Trained in uh, mindfulness and equanimity and so forth and in some of the Mahayana traditions, other qualities were added like skill and means which could, could mean upaya, some of you know that the, the capacity to be very skillful in a number of different venues and I and many of my colleagues have sometimes thought because my own focus has been on developing training programs that combine inner and outer work and we've thought of, you know, what does the contemporary bodhisattva need? Well, they're those kind of qualities in the way bridge inner and outer. We need you know, the various trainings in inner practices that we've explored here, that we've named here. We need, um, we need a lot of relational abilities. One thing we just looked at a little bit when we looked at empathy practice was a whole set of skills to be very um, effective with speech communication. Right? interaction and so forth. We need uh, you know skills and ability across a wide range of areas like um, many areas that we sometimes label under diversity training really ability to navigate the different territories of oppression and know how to work with that internally and in community and then in the larger society you know you need training in social analysis, right? To really see. And particularly, you know, how do you see the world but see it through, uh, dharma, I like to say, Dharma eyes, right? How do you see the world? You know, that's something still pretty undeveloped because we usually use, you know, kind of left wing analysis. Many of us do, right? But a lot of that is, comes from a different framework, for example, than the one we're offering. How, what would it look like to have that clear seeing? but with dharma eyes, you know, and some people are working on that. Some people are working to develop that. One of my colleagues with whom I taught a few retreats here, David Loy, has probably done that more than a lot of people. You know, his beautiful work, you know, he talks about uh, he talks about looking at institutions in terms of how they've either institutionalized greed, hatred, and delusion, or more awakened qualities. It's an interesting way to look at and do institutional analysis. So, you know, we would need to have that kind of uh, social, say, we need, we need all, a lot of the capacities we've looked at here, you know, the different tools we've looked at, uh, tools of what, community organizing, direct action, and so forth. And I think a key aspect here is we can have this training and we can even hear the range of tools, but I think it's very important to See, and we'll, we'll actually work with this experientially in a moment, to see where we each are called. Because we don't have to do everything. And there's, in fact, it's very important to see how we're called and where we're called. And I, I was just thinking of two pieces that, for me, help uh, make that point in a fairly uh, simple way. One is from uh, Howard Thurman. Many of you know Howard Thurman was a great African-American mystic and activist. He taught at Howard for a long time. He later taught at Boston University.
1: Heavily influenced King. Yeah. King would not have been who he was without Howard
0: yeah. Thurman. Well, because King actually did his graduate work at Boston University, yeah. and I don't think he studied with Thurman, to the best of my knowledge, but he may have. Do you, do you know that?
1: Not directly, but Thurman was also close friends with Dr. King's father. Yeah. So they, were, they had a relationship. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, and Howard Thurman moved out to the Bay Area, I think, in the '40s. So he uh, he wouldn't have been with King when King was in graduate school in the early '50s, I think.
1: And started the first integrated church in the history of the country here in San Francisco. First
0: explicitly interracial church in San Francisco, and um, towards the end, he died in 1980. Worth studying. There, there are people who actually have recordings of him, and I mean, he's widely published, and but really worth exploring. And uh, towards the end of his life, I think in the early 70s, he died in 1980, pretty pretty old age. Uh, he was asked by a young man, um, what should I do? <laughs> Not a very specific question. <laughs> you no, know, people, okay, what should I do? He was a like, young man in his 20s. And he asked him, and you know, you might have thought that he would have answered, well, we really need a lot of people down in the church. We have these three projects, and maybe you'd like to be involved with one of these. He didn't say that. He, his answer was, and think of this for an activist saying this, don't ask what the world needs, but ask about what brings you alive, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. It's an interesting answer to this question, isn't it? Right? And then the second piece is related to, I think it's, I think we were just talking in after we finished yesterday, but it's uh, a model that um, comes from Joanna Macy. Uh, She likes to think, and I think it it complements the Howard Thurman uh, point, which is that she likes to look and teach her whole teaching and if you haven't studied with her she's 88 she is still going strong find ways to study with her she's one of the gems we didn't bring in her work this weekend we might have you know I, I've taught with her and been trained by her and, and quite a jewel in our community and she talks about the great turning to I think I would say a just sustainable society and she says there are three aspects to it. The first are holding actions to prevent further damage from occurring. And that's big. Right? And that's often the main province of activism. It's what uh, in Gandhi's model that was called, what was it called? The, his, his, his threefold model?
1: The personal transformation, constructive program, and satyagraha.
0: Yeah, the satyagraha is the stopping of the negative things happening the bad things happening and then she says there is also the first so the first is holding actions to prevent further damage the second is transforming the institutions so that would mean new ways of doing justice like restorative justice maybe new ways of education new ways of agriculture you know, new ways of law, let's say, new ways of education, new ways of parenting, and so forth. And then the third way is transforming consciousness and shifting consciousness. And the key, and then she says, basically, where well, I guess what I've taken from that is see in terms of those three where you're most drawn, but see the connections. And so maybe, and and I think it's important to keep some activity in all of them. Some of us are really called to be activists, sometimes full-time activists, or really major ones. Some of us are called to be, I think this describes me, to be selective activists. And a lot of my work is in training and teaching, right? And so it's very important to see the connections, but to also see where you're drawn, because all three are necessary for transformation. You don't have all three major things are missing right you just have actions to prevent the negative from happening but you don't have the what Gandhi called the constructive program things are missing right so we need people in all three we don't need everyone to do all the time I mean maybe at some moments you do everyone to just be out there right there are moments Um, but we need all three of them for the transformation so to see where am I drawn here, but to see the connection. Some people may be drawn to be a yoga teacher, right? You can transform the sense of the body, but then make the connections with the other, make the connections with how our notions of the body are socially conditioned. I don't hear a lot of yoga teachers talking like that, and some do, right? You know, uh, make the connections with the, you know, the need to transform the institutions, body, maybe even nutrition, All sorts of things, right? That's an example, right? Same thing with meditation. You know, you can really connect meditation, which is a transformation of consciousness and action behavior. You can really make the connections between all three. I think it's what we're doing this weekend, right? And so that's, to me, those are helpful pointers. So it means we don't all have to do everything, and we can actually call, see where our calling is, but make the connections. So when I've sometimes worked with groups of activists, they hear that, it's a relief, right? <laughs> I don't have to do everything. I don't have to be on the front lines all the time. I can really listen to where I'm called, and that's really, really crucial. Yeah? Say her name again. Joanna Macy, M-A-C-Y. I think she's on the one of the reading lists I have there. Some of her work is there. Um, I, I just, uh, just thought about the Bodhisattva Yeah. Thing part of my understanding of the bodhisattva is um, they, they you know, traditionally in Buddhism, they uh, put off enlightenment or yeah. nirvana, you know, in order to help all beings. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I it just struck me. I'm like, we're here in Marin. And, like, for me, a modern equivalent of that yeah. is... Um, It's easy to like if you live in Marin, you know it's its own little paradise. Yeah,
1: and you can kind of like make your life very comfortable. Yeah, and and the Bodhisattva way, the modern Bodhisattva way, is like use whatever power and privilege you have and resources you have and do the
0: work. Yeah, where it's needed to remove suffering. Yeah, you know not don't just stay in your little paradise. Yeah, Um, and so. Yeah. <laughs> Use paradise as your base camp.
1: Right. <laughs> 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 the fuel. <laughs> <Back out there. laughs> and Chris Moore Bachman, who's a Gandhian trainer who authored the book The Gandhian Iceberg, which is a brilliant book. It's on the resource list. Uh-huh. Um, he talks a lot about, similar to what Donald, you were just saying, that a lot of people stay in the realm of personal transformation and think they're doing the work, and they sit and meditate and do yoga because they don't have to do the work of resistance whereas for some communities it's not an option if they're not resisting they're not going to survive and for a lot of those communities they don't have the time or the ability to come to spirit rock and come to these retreats so again that relationship like if you're a yoga teacher what are you doing to challenge these systems and there's a lot of ways that yoga teachers meditation all these people can connect with and support each other, right, in those sectors. Yeah, and can can
0: we at Spirit Rock or East Bay Meditation Center, can we understand that and reach out, make connections, make this place, which can be a place of renewal, mm-hmm. available? Exactly. You know? Yeah, please. I was just going to say, a piece of the second one that you pointed out, the transforming institutions, yeah. is that... Right. New institutions, and it's a place we can all support. Like there's a, a healing collective, traditional healers right. in the East Bay that come and offer um, for this community empowering clinics that are no charge, that kind of thing. That's right. To to uh, have your part of the saying what we what I said was to have our lenses out, so you can see these different aspects of transformation say, oh. Oh yeah, that project fits in number two, right? And actually, maybe to support it actively. And okay, um, I want to now bring this to you know that's kind of an overview and a, maybe a way to see it. Let's apply this now to our own next steps. Okay, so what I'd like you to do just for a moment is just to reflect, and then we'll do an exercise together just reflect now or reflect I should say on your intentions and next steps as you come out of our weekend for some of us it may be if, we, if we're maybe primarily activists, it may be to say, I'm going to really develop more of an inner dimension and have a regular practice. If we've been more on the side of doing more inner practices, it might be, I'm going to really find a way that draws me of connecting with the community or alternative institutions or some kind of project so see what your intentions are and what your next steps are coming out of our weekend just reflect on that for a minute or two or three In The uh, kind of group practice that we'll do now, I'll ask you to go into groups of three, and I think this time I'll let you choose who you want to be with. Okay? Could have done one through eight, but <laughs> <laughs> but I will just let you. I'll let you choose where you want to go with which people, and uh, so we'll have groups of three. I think that works out. We have uh, eight groups of three. And what we'll do is we'll take about um, 15 minutes and I'd like to have uh, one person at a time have five minutes and in your five minutes and I'll time you in your five minutes talk about what your next steps are in your intentions coming out and You can use the five minutes as you wish. One way to use it, which which I do suggest, is that maybe you take about three minutes to talk about your next steps, what your sense of things is, and then you have about two minutes to take questions from other people where you can maybe ask something and see what the other's ideas are. In other words... We have a high-powered consulting group here, (laughs) with great expertise, who will not even give you a bill. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, you can use the time as you wish. You might want to even do it half and half. Maybe I'll ring the bell halfway through just to let you know it's there. And then, if you want want to, just if you work better by reflecting on your own for the entire five minutes, do it that way. If you want to do half and half. And get some feedback from people. You can do it that way. Okay. Um, Any questions about uh, the process? So
1: it's seven minutes per person. Five five minutes per person. Five minutes. I didn't
0: understand the half and half. Well, the half might be for you to talk here. You know, I'm being drawn in these ways, and and talk about your intentions and your next steps. Could be. What? Could be. Could be half of it. Could be a little bit more. I'll ring the bell halfway through and you can just do as you see fit and then you might say you know uh, anyone have any thoughts any suggestions you can do it's really up to you. Is that, is that clarified? Yeah okay. Okay let's see what our time is. Uh, okay yeah I think that will, will work well. Okay so form the groups and i'll uh, when i see that everyone's in the group i'll ring the bell to start and then do the timing from there <laughs>
1: Hey, <laughs> okay, I see.
0: I see on my left, there's just a group of two. Is someone in the in the bathroom? Did someone in your group go to the bathroom? Okay, so I, maybe I counted wrong. There's uh, 25 total today. But one person left. Oh, great! Thank you for. That that was included, but I think I just counted 24. Yeah, I think someone used the bathroom. Other than Kazu. Uh, Okay, well, uh, why don't you start? Maybe someone will join you. Okay, and just decide who will go first and so forth. So I'll time us, and I'll, I'll. Does that sound good to ring the bell at two and a half minutes, and then you can just use the time as you wish? Okay, so. Okay, so let's start. Thank you for listening.